Ka horo whakatere, ka tere, pipi, whākao te iwi ki runga o waima. Ko ia ko te iho te āti mā hure hure kwa kahakina e aitu, e koro e patu hoatu. Ko atu ki ngā iho iho o ngā maunga whakahi kai te tapuko te rangi. Ko utau e ngā mate tuatini o te wā haere, haere, whakangaro atu rā. Tauāraitia te pō, tītoko hia te ao mārama, e ngā whare kōrero o ngā hapu hurinoa, nau mai, rarau. Ko ōrini kaiparate nei e mihi atu nei kia koutou katoa. Welcome to the hui, Māori current affairs for all New Zealanders. E whaiake nei? Rehabilitation over re-offending. Mark Lang spent his seven years in prison to reinvent himself. I sort of decided, right, I'm going to do everything in my power you know, to try and get my first parole. So yeah, I got that mindset on that first night and just started working towards those goals. He's now a changed man with a new future. Plus, we meet the young Tuhoi artist who has been mentored by some of New Zealand's very best. It's heaps of fun. It makes me think I have the best job. They've all been very welcoming. this year, Mark Lang was serving a jail sentence for his role in one of Northland's biggest methamphetamine operations. Now he's the proud owner and curator of Tika Ponotui Art Gallery in Takiwira, Dargaville. The carver is aiming to prove that his dark past won't define his future. For some inmates, incarceration breeds resentment. Lang instead chose to focus on the Kaupapa Māori programs available to inmates and work towards his rehabilitation. Kea D'Angelo Martin, Tēnei Pūrungu. These days, Mark Lang is a changed man. I could never see myself being in jail. I suppose I didn't think I was going to get caught. The last 10 years are probably what built up to my incarceration. I was incarcerated for seven years. In 2014, Mark was working in Whangare as a qualified engineer. Life looked good. But behind the facade, it was falling apart. My addiction started just through the workplace. You know, it was quite rampant. The old methamphetamine, back when I was working as an engineer. You know, just shoot up the road for lunchtime sessions and stuff sort of evolved from there. Mark had a decent upbringing and now a good job. He was living just out of town and was regularly socialising with his mates. But his mates were actually running a clandestine lab producing millions of dollars of meth. That was my main driver, you know, you got free gear. They soon discovered Mark was an engineer and encouraged him to adapt equipment to produce high quantities of meth and instruct the cooks. I wasn't really worried about the money, you know, I was just worried about getting another bag. Little did he know, he was taking part in the largest pea manufacturing operation in Aotearoa at the time. His life as he knew it was on the line. It was pretty much over for me before I even walked in the door. That wasn't a prolonged thing, it was only months. I knew the consequences were massive. I knew that the maximum sentence was life imprisonment. In 2014, police raided the Northland home, terminating the operation. But Mark managed to stay under the radar. They hadn't picked me up at that stage. 
had to do a bit more investigating to find out who I was and that, but I knew that it was going to happen. Pretty much your heart falls to the bottom of your stomach, you know, especially when, you know, it's all over. Reality hadn't really sunken in until I got arrested. He pleaded guilty. The judge described Mark as an intelligent, educated and perceptive man. Puzzled that he became embroiled in illegal activity, he acknowledged Mark's motivation was to obtain pee for his own use rather than profit. Yeah, the addiction just outweighs anything. He got sentenced to 14 and a half years for manufacture of methamphetamine. After being sentenced and their cell door shut, you know, it sort of took my breath away. Mark had hit rock bottom. That's when I sort of decided, right, I'm going to do everything in my power, you know, to try and get my first parole. So, yeah, I got that mindset on that first night and started working towards those goals. But it wasn't easy. Plenty of times while I was inside, I had bags of meth thrown on my counter. You know, but I was going, oh, nah, bro. You know, I want to get out of here. The meth was a scourge on society and devastated communities just ripped families apart. I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. In 2016, Mark served a few months in Ngāwha prison before being transferred to Hawke's Bay. And that's when it all changed for me, pretty much. Just felt a big shift. And it all just started from there. My rehabilitation started. Mark utilised a number of Kaupapa Māori programmes that were available to inmates. Because if you do your programmes, you know, the doors will open and you can move forward. Completed the Māori Tūpai, completed Tikanga Level 1, Level 2. Delving into those spiritual Māori programmes that I did made me see my worth, you know, made me realise, hey, I can restore my mana and my Māori. Because when I went to prison, you know, my mana and my Māori was tarnished uh, through my offending. Mark discovered his calling and took up mahi whakairo. Took a while to get into it, you know, banging away there on the chisel, going, oh, nah, this is too hard. But, yeah, I just kept at it. Who taught you? I pretty much taught myself. Oh, and the bros, you know, watching the bros carving. Pretty much all the Māori focus units have carving rooms in them. It's a taonga that needs to be shared, you know, it's a taonga that needs to be preserved. That's one of the main things why I got into it. And I think it's the nurturing side of it. He carved several significant taonga whilst in prison. I felt a sense that I owed the community back and I had my dues to pay. So yeah, anything needed to be done, you know, I put my hand up. Yeah, do a few projects for around the prison and, you know, the odd ones for the schools. You know, I felt guilt that I did have a part to play in that. That's why throughout my whole sentence, you know, I was just giving, 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 giving back. So yeah, I had to do seven years before I could go up for a parole hearing. It's only been five months since Mark was released from prison, and he's gone back up north to Hizu Kaipo in Takiwira, Dargaville. I thought it was going to be a lot more cruisy. I thought I'd just get out and, you know, and slot back into my normal thing, but I think it was just the information overload. I had so much to do. I was in a bit of a, like a trance-like state for probably about three weeks. Yeah, because a lot's happened since you got out, eh? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. been all go. You know, I've been pretty busy for the last five months. Visits with his auntie have become a regular thing. So did you think you'd be in this position five months ago when you got out? Not really. Yes, it's amazing how 
how your plans can come together if you stay focused. Mm. I had no idea how quick it was going to come together, how much support from whānau, mm. the community. A large part of that support has come from local businessman Dion McCormick. For me, that's what it's all about, is that power by empowerment, you know. When we do that as communities, and uh, that's the protective blanket that we can have as a community to support each other. Dion has helped Mark get his own art studio. So over here on this wall, when you're walking on your right-hand side, it's going to be all my mahi displayed. Taiaha, tifatifa, hoi, patu. Then we walk further on into this corner up here. We'll have um, more displays of uh, resin art, probably having about 12 exhibitors filling this place up. I'd never would have dreamed of what it's developed into now. Yeah, it's exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I've um, put everything I've got into it. I concentrated on and I laser focused on my mission. Yeah, no distractions. With nothing to tempt him back to his old life. How long have you been sober for, bro? I haven't touched anything since I was incarcerated. Mark is carving his way to a second chance. And, and I'm quite happy to keep on this journey. Kia mai mai, stay with us. Ngā manu kōrero. It's the most prestigious speech contest for rangatahi. Find out what it takes to succeed. We have a winner and a judge live after the break. Waihape mai ki te hui. Now, Ngā Manu Kōrero is the summit of oratory for rangatahi Māori to flex their prowess in both English and te reo Māori. The speech contest has been around for more than 50 years, challenging young people from across the motu to express their views with confidence and passion. This year's national competition was held in Ōtepoti, Dunedin, but one of the winners came from the opposite end of the country. Elite Reti, he's from Te Kurakaupapa Māori, well, he won the Peite Huri Nui section, senior Māori overall, the best impromptu, and of course the best male speaker this year. Here he is in action. And now he's here in studio with us, Elite Tenakwe no Mai. We also have one of the judges from the competition joining us all the way from Tifanganui Atara Wellington. Etaku Hua, Etaku Tita, Ruth Smith, Tenakwe, Mihiana Kiakwe no Mai. Tenakwe, Tenakorua. We're going to have to conduct this, uh, this interview in Te Reo Pākehā for all our viewers. But let's talk about um, how you're feeling. And it's been a while, well, a couple of weeks since the competition. Piro Piro, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling really still humbled and just taking the time to really soak in what it means to have... Uh, these accomplishments and yeah, the effect that it has on me and my whanau. Was it your intention to take it out, to win Peite Huri Nui? Did you expect to come away with three top uh, three uh, awards? Uh, it's always been a dream of mine to go to Ngā Manu Kōrero. I've always seen it as the pinnacle of the competitive side of Fai Kōrero, but we went in with really the idea of sharing my whakaata with Te Ao Māori and like my kaupapa said, to share my thoughts on these 
big tucky that affect my generation and that was the main goal but winning has certainly been the cherry on top. Yeah, I just want to bring Ruth into the conversation before we go into your Kaupapa Kōrero. Ruth, what was it about Elite that stood out for you as a judge um, this year? Look, uh, I mean, the competition was so amazing this year. We've got a lot of really stunning kids who are getting up and saying their piece, but I think that one of the things that really hit home for me um, when judging Elite this year was just the relatability. Uh, you know, his kaupapa, his topic was um, one that affects many whanau, um, Māori and non-Māori alike, uh, but he was able to sort of... Um, you know, get the heartstrings, get at the heartstrings this, this year. I mean, I was sitting next to my um, companions, my judging companions, and I was really moved. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure that one of them went to go and give me a, tish, a tissue because I didn't actually really see um, the end of uh, of elite speech turning out to be the way that it was going to, that the way that it was. So it was a really heartfelt, um, really genuine display of... Um, of feelings first and foremost, but also of um, of foresight. To be really, to be really honest, um, encouraging mm. his generation to, you know, to take these pake, these um, topics really, really seriously. Drink driving is not funny. It's 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 something that affects many of us, and he just did it in such a beautiful way that made everyone feel like they were really connected to his mm. co I watched that, uh, your prepared speech as well, uh, Elite, and what caught me, Hinawanawana te kiri, I think you, you made um, you made my skin crawl, really, and, and in a good way, in the most positive way. Um, you know, when we talk about ihiwihiwana, you had everything. I wasn't a judge, so I'm not judging you, based, but what, based on what I saw, um, and Ruth, you might agree with me here, is the ability, your creativity um, from a Māori worldview in and setting the scene in a courtroom, you know, but using Purako Atua Aitu as the key judge. Aitu, of course, is the god of mate. Can you talk us through, um, you know, the, the why it is you picked that topic, which was, of course, uh, young people must stop drinking and driving? I picked the topic ultimately um, as a result of a loss with an Aoyan Fano to this take. And I've, I took a look at the kaupapa from Ngamanu Kōruru and I thought, there's really big topics and drink driving being the catalyst of why I spoke, but it's the overarching ideas and just things that affect my generation. And so the idea of structuring it like that and using those sort of take was a collation of ideas from me and my kaioko, but really it was a summary of all the kōrero and all of the things that came out of the tangihanga of my cousin. And that's why I was taking to the stage. Mm, real life experience, beautiful. Ruth, uh, the quality of te reo and tikanga being heard within the speeches this year, how would you rate that? You know, it's been, this competition hasn't just happened uh, in the last few years, it's been around for five de decades plus. How would you uh, comment on the quality of te reo Māori amongst today's generation of rangatahi? Yeah, look, it's it's just, it's actually unreal. And I've got to say that these kids are so much cooler than I was when I was at school. <laughs> They're so much more more knowledgeable. 
they just speak their minds and they um they do it so naturally and so beautifully and you know, motivahi kiteriel, motivahi tikanga on the tikanga and and quality of real side. Actually, I think that the revitalization is doing its job. Um, it's starting to get really, really hard to judge these competitions. I think I've been a judge since about 2017, and even back then, um, it was really the real marks that would sort of push. Um, you know, the competitors up or below, uh, you know, the standard. Uh, but this year, people's real, uh, you know, our, our kids' real is so good that it's really coming down to all of these X factory uh, type, mm. type things to consider in the judging. And I mean, it's a win. It's a win for the real. Our kids are making us so, so proud. Absolutely, and it's exciting. It's exciting to see where our future is. If this is the present, then we've got a beautiful future ahead of us. Ali, I want to ask you, firstly, what advice do you have for rangatahu who, uh, who are following in your footsteps, like you want to you know, stand on stage at a manukōrero, one, two, are you coming back next year? <laughs> I'll use the whakatauke of our kura, whaia te tino rangatiratanga, and it's just the encouragement to my generation to do things like manukōrero. It's pushing yourself out of your comfort zone that is, improves who you are as a person and, and practising these arts of our tūpuna and these taonga tukuiho. As for doing it next year, I've tried to get out of it, but my kaiako have insisted that I need to do it. So, That's yep, right. No way, Jose. Don't get out of it. <laughs> You're too amazing to stop right now. I look forward to seeing you next year. Te nā koe i tō haere mai, tō whakai ki te noho tahi ki a tātou i tēnei rā. Kōrua tahi ko Ruth, uh, e te tuakana e takuhua, te nā koe i hono mai ki te kōrero mo te kaupapa hirahira nei. Te nā kōrua. Stay with us everyone, e haere ake nei, a young artist based in Tāmaki Makaurau who's already headlining an exhibition with some of the finest Māori artists across Aotearoa. Urjan Cairns is a young Tāmaki Makaro artist with an aim to disrupt and challenge. He held his first solo exhibition when he was just 16. His works go for up to $6,000 and he already has seven sold-out solo shows to his credit. His latest exhibition, Friends and Family, showcases his work alongside those of established Māori and Pacifica artists who have been his supporters and mentors. Julian Wilcox caught up with him just a day before it opened. Family and friends, what's this exhibition all about? It's coming together with mentors to learn and grow as a creative. Ujjan Cairns is only in his early 20s, but already his mentors and exhibition collaborators include renowned Tamaki expressionist painter Emily Karaka and Tuhoe sculptor and painter Don Ratana. What's it like? being young and working with nationally, internationally recognised Māori and Pacifica artists. It's heaps of fun. It just makes me think I have the best job. They've all been very welcoming. And it's not working. You know, we're just hanging out and making art. And they just, yeah, they've given me a space to be myself and... Is there any pressure in, in leading an exhibition like this? Given the likes of Fire Emily and Matua Dog? No, because standing next to me. Urjan has Tuhoe, Tongan, and German whakapapa. His mentors are principally Māori and Pacifica, but his art is distinctly his own. It's often described as free 
and expressive. Well, this area of the world, our approach on art isn't necessarily encouraging to making work that looks like this. Ujan is self-taught, having resisted early attempts by adults to restrict his practice. You know, in school, they don't allow you to work on a canvas this size. I chose not to listen to the teachers in school, so I can keep a pretty open mind when I'm painting. How do teachers respond to that? I usually talk to the principal and my parents. Ujan's mother is Tongan German artist Dagmar Dyke, part of his collective of Pacifica artist mentors. Having an artist as a mother, she had my back when teachers had anything to say. So is this, is this exhibition about challenging the way in which art is taught? It is a focus point. But part of his focus is not focusing at all and just freeing his creativity. When you go at a painting or at a canvas, I'm already fixed on something to be represented there. Yeah. You could try not to think. That's what I was taught by my first mentor, Tavita. Part of painting is just letting go, you know? Because you can spend three months filling in blocks where you could just stand in front of it and whatever comes out. Comes out. Whatever comes out, comes out. Yeah, from within, yeah. But how do you do that? See, um, for those of us who aren't um, as naturally gifted... <laughs> There's a part of the practice that's not trying. When you paint, you just paint for yourself. I can't paint thinking about what other people are going to think. It's just all down to what's inside. He's been a full-time artist for more than six years. Can you see the final piece already in your mind as you're starting on a piece of work? It's a lot quicker when it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Does it happen all the time? Not all the time. But now that I've started to do tickies, it's easy to envision the end product. Why tickies? I was drawing faces to begin with, and then um, I kind of got bored of them, and then went abstract, and then came back to faces and with tickies. Mm. And that was largely from hanging out with Fire and Don. One day out from his exhibition, the paint is still drying on some works and others still need to be completed. The whole exhibition at Pa Homestead has yet to be hung. Ujan is sleep-deprived, having painted through the night, and he's starving. So what do you do next, then? I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> so probably have some breakfast. <laughs> and, uh... Finish off some paintings. Breakfast, babe, it's two o'clock. <laughs> well, I haven't been looking at the clock recently. I went to, walk, went to sleep about four this morning. So yeah, it'll be another one of those nights tonight. Yeah, there's a real rich history of Tuhoi artists. You know, I think of people like Arnold Wilson, even Tamaiti and what he does, and a representation of Tamanamotuhake. And Don, Tuhoi. and of course, Matua, Matua Don um, as well. Um, and you follow in those footsteps. Do you feel a responsibility, given you are following in the footsteps of some of those really well-known Māori and Tūhoi artists? I don't really feel responsible to follow them. I feel like I'm walking just behind them. I mean, I can, I'm keeping up with them. And they're telling me stories and sharing knowledge and passing it down. And I'm sure if I stick around, one day I'll be able to pass it down to someone else. All the very best for this exhibition. Thank you. All the very best for, I think, what's going to be an awesome future. Thank you.
Me Haro. The exhibition will run at Pa Homestead until the end of November. Here's a look at Ruani Pereira's story coming up on the Hui next week. An update on our story from May. We want an apology for all the suffering, the abuse, the racial discrimination, the hell we went through. We reveal the progress finally being made to acknowledge hundreds of unmarked graves in Pukekohe. Well, at least someone's listening to us. Listening and learning as two complete strangers divided by race-based injustices meet. If any of your family were affected by any of mine, I would be truly sorry for that. It's very emotional, <laughs> more than I thought. She said, I thank you for telling your story. And that makes me so happy. I take my hat off to her, it's very brave. We finished the show this week with a waiata reorua, a bilingual song by the collective Ia called Me. Reti Headley from Ngāti Tuwharetua created the waiata as a tribute to the empowerment springing from his language reclamation journey. A tērā, wiki Auraki mai ai tō tātou tangata a Julian. Julian will be back next week. Our thoughts are with him and every whānau grieving the loss of loved ones at this time. Kia hau maru te noho e te iwi, kia toa ki ngā mahi, o whiwhia o rawea tūrou parea.
Nā te puna whakatonga rewa, te hui i tautoko.